Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Following the biggest off-season of moves and acquisitions by general manager Howie Roseman, the expectations of this city have never been higher. Welcome to the 2022 Panla Hockey Postgame Show on 6ABC.com and across the Jacob Sports YouTube channel, exclusively presented by Panla Hockey Giordano. Live from the Gallery Bar. Booking games inside Ocean Casino Resort. Let's get this post-game show underway. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome into the Jacob Media post-game show presented by Pond La Hockey as the Eagles take care of business to the tune of a 20-17 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. It's a bad weekend to be a Cardinal when you're taking on Philadelphia. No doubt about it. Mark Farzetta in for Mike Missinelli. We will be hearing from Mikey Miss coming up in just a minute, and we'll also hear from John McMullen from the stadium as well as Lane Johnson, and Devin Caney will be along a little bit later what, what, as well. What, we got wait, Derek. Wait, what, what, wait, wait what, a minute. What, 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 what do you mean what? they took care of business? They took care of business. They, 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 they won. Define taking they, care they, of business. They, they, they took care of business to the point of they won the football game. Okay. They are 5-0. Right. and oh. right. Does it feel as good as okay. some of the all other right. games? I just want no. you to clarify. That's all. <laughs> the bottom line is they won the football game. There's a lot of critiques that come along with it, and I know our friend Seth Joyner will have just a couple of them when it comes to Jonathan Gannon and the way they decided to, I almost said the word attack, Seth, but that would go against what you said. Look at, look at Seth's said. face right now. He's not right. He's not. So I, I've said this before. There is no such thing as a moral victory, but sometimes there's a moral loss. And, yes, the Eagles won this football game, but they didn't exactly feel the best about it. Seth, and I know you have some reservations about the defensive coordinator and the way they handled things in this game. You know, it's it's hard to be critical when they when they win a football game. Sure, but it's necessary. Okay, it's necessary. I mean, for us for us to sit up here and and pull our pom poms out and cheer after what we just watched, mm. you know, it would be it would be wrong. I mean, one hundred percent wrong. Okay, offensively they looked inept. 
once they got past halftime. They looked like they had no answer for the blitz. I don't know that we have um, sight adjustments built into you know our offense. When teams show us blitz like the Cardinals did in the second half today and like Detroit did in game one, we have no adjustment for it. Our wide receivers run our routes just like they were drawn up instead of sight adjusting to the fact that, you know what, they're sending too many guys for, for, for our protection to pick up. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I'm listening to the commentator while we're watching the game. Oh, Jonathan Gannon likes to play a shell defense. You know, he just doesn't want to give up the big play. Well, what damn difference does it make, okay, if you let the team just slowly but surely just go down the field, okay, and score a touchdown at the end? What's the difference between, you know, a 12-play drive that ends in seven points and a three-play drive that they may hit a 40-yard touchdown? It's still a damn touchdown, okay? So you might as well take your chances in trying to stop the, the, the opposing team. Every single time that we got into a five-man front, guess what they ran? They ran quarterback draw. If I can see it, you mean to tell me you got 10 coaches up in the box and another 10 defensive coaches down on the field and nobody can see that? Nobody picks that up? We can't adjust to that? I, hey, listen, I'm, I'm happy that they're 5-0, and oh, okay? But after what I witnessed the Dallas Cowboys do to the L.A. Rams oh today, goodness. oh my goodness, they're not going to. The, the Cowboys are going to come in here and embarrass the hell out of them on Sunday Night Football if they don't figure this out. When, when you have a bad day at the office and you can still come out with a W, I'll take that any way, shape, or form. You're not going to play perfect football every Sunday. It just doesn't happen. But watching Gannon go back to that defense that we were screaming about the first game of the season, I thought he was making gradual improvements. And my good friend and colleague, Rob Ellis, who started the Ganwagon, kept asking me every week, D-Gunner, you're back on the Ganwagon. And initially I'm holding on the back of the rail. Then I put one foot over the rail, and I said, Rob, I'm not there yet. I'm back off the Ganwagon. I'm tired of this shell defense. We understand Arizona has fast receivers. Every team in the league has fast receivers. But a better defense is going to challenge those receivers. This game should not have been as close as this game was. But because they played a stupid shell defense, they allowed Arizona to chip back and get in this game. And very easily, we could have been sitting here watching overtime, waiting up for an outcome of a game, instead of a decisive Eagles victory. The bottom line is they won the game, but this defense has to play a much better brand of football consistently. The offense, they were off today. I'm waiting for that second quarter explosion. Didn't happen. But give credit where credit is due. Arizona challenged them all game long. They challenged them at the line of scrimmage. Yep. They blitzed them all game long. They made Jalen Hurst do a lot of things and roll a lot out of the pocket he didn't want to do. They took A.J. Brown out of the game. They made this a ball game. Jonathan Gannon allowed them to make it a ball game. You know, last week, Mike Messinelli sat in that seat right there. And one of the questions were, um, are you finally on the Gannon wagon? Okay. And everybody got upset because I said, oh, I don't know yet. I mean, what do you what do you mean you don't know yet? They had nine sacks the week before against Carson Wentz. They come back and they dominate last week again. And he's like, well, why not? I said, because I have to see. I have to see that he's committed to playing football in this manner. Okay. And exactly what I thought. Okay. Exactly what I thought. That little bitty coward lion, okay, that lives in his jacket pocket, okay, reared his ugly head again today. 
Okay, and it almost cost this team. You know, and they got they got our coach on both sides of the ball if you really want to go back and look at it. Because their adjustment to, you know, pressure in the box was the bubble screen. And it worked. Dallas has some success. Um, Devontae Smith has some success in the first half. But they almost got Devontae Smith decapitated because you can only go to the well so many times. If you draw it up and that's your adjustment, what's your adjustment to the adjustment is my question, okay? Because one time you can raise up to throw that bubble screen, the guy who's on the inside guy that's supposed to be blocking, all he's got to do is run down the field, straight down the field. And, there's, and all Jalen has to do is pump the bubble and come back to the scene. Again, I get paid to analyze football. I don't get paid to see the things that they see. Yeah, I'm analyzing it, but you're a coach. In game, you got to see that. You can only throw so many bubble screens and so many hitches before the, before the defense gets to a place where they're like, hey, you know what? We know what's coming. Okay. Now, if you got an adjustment, that's the big play. That's the change. That's the way you make them back off. Well, I think the two things we were looking at going into this season was consistency. One from Jalen Hurts, most notably, the other from Jonathan Gannon. We have seen consistency throughout the season from Jalen Hurts. Now we're starting to see the inconsistency from Jonathan Gannon because if you go into the first game of the season, it was three quarters of bringing it, three quarters of great defense, taking it to the Lions and being aggressive. Fourth quarter started to take your foot off the gas. Then you saw the defense start to really rise to the occasion in the next three games. No better example than nine sacks, even though seven of them were just because your defensive line were getting after it. This game for Jonathan Gannon felt like a regression. And if we're going to sit here and we are going to criticize because that's fr frankly what they have given us, I keep going back to what Jason Kelsey said before the season. Even in games that you win, you have to be hypercritical just as if it's a game that you lost. And there was a lot of room for error. And as you are, looking across the screen, looking across our green room, watching what the Dallas Cowboys were doing, you do start to make that comparison. Okay, yes, you can get away with this now with a banged-up version of the Arizona Cardinals. But will you be able to get away with this next week in a game that will stick in a lot of people's crawl the wrong way if you lose to the Dallas Cowboys? Listen, there's no doubt about it that it will. And the problem is... Again, you have to begin to look at how things play out, you know, because it's always an indicator. The way that you play from week to week to week is an indicator how you're going to play as you move through. That's why, you know what we do? We look at the film. We study four game, game films, and we set a game plan based on those four game films. Why? Because we know that when you get to a certain point, it's hard to really deviate from really who you are, okay? Is it really that hard for Jonathan Gannon to, to I mean, there's a part of me that, that, that looks at him and says, okay, I understand in today's offense. You got spread offenses. There's so much that you can do. Um, there's so many different looks that you can get, okay? But you've proven to yourself weeks two, weeks three, and weeks four, you've proven it to yourself that if I apply pressure to these quarterbacks in this league, you know, that I can force turnovers. I can force bad decisions. But when I sit back and I'm going to play soft, it's third and two. And both of my corners are off the darn ball 10, 10 yards. yards. Yeah. I'm like, what, what are you thinking about? You know, you're just going to give them the first down? Because any able-bodied quarterback is just going to raise up and throw the ball out there and let the guy pick up the two yards, move the sticks. Now they got three, three, three to four more shots at you. It and, makes no sense to me. And what kind of message are you sending to your defensive players? 
you play a more aggressive style of football games, two, three, and four, and then you play this shell defense in this game. You know, so what are you telling your personnel? You're okay to be more aggressive in certain games, but we got to play a more cautionary game depending on the personnel we're matching. That guy, Kyler Murray, could run all over the field. You know, Marquise Brown is sub 4 3 in the 40. There's a whole lot of sub 4 3 40 wide receivers playing in the game today. You have to have an identity. Stick to your identity. Don't be afraid to be who you are. D. You know? I, I said it. I said it early in the year. I'll say it again. The one thing that I know as a former player, okay, is that. And it, and it may go from game to game until your defense coordinator establishes what your identity is truly going to be, okay? The players will always take on the personality yes. of their coach, Yes. okay? So if you're an aggressive defensive coordinator and you're going to call an aggressive game, well, guess what? Your players are going to play uber aggressive. Yes. But when you put them in passive situations, you're passing the information to them that guess what? Oh, we're just gonna lay back, and we're just gonna let them nickel and dime. What we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna try to bend but don't break, okay? And that kind of mentality that you put into your player's head is is wrong. It's wrong. If you want to be aggressive and you want to turn the football over and you want to create havoc and chaos and you want to pressure quarterbacks, then darn it, you got to play like that all the time. Exactly. You can't get to you know a second and long situation and let them. I mean, in the second half. Third and 14? Third and 17. Third and 17? Second, second and 14. Twice. You let them convert those types. I mean, they were eight for, eight for 14 in third down conversions and 100%, you know, in fourth down efficiency today. You, you can't be a great defensive football team and allow that to happen. And that happened because Jonathan Gannon called a very passive game today. I'm sorry. No, no reason to apologize, but I'll ask you this question then. Of all the negative things that did surround this win, how the hell did the Eagles win this game? Why did they do it? Was just simply being more talented than what the Arizona Cardinals were putting in front of them? Well, they because I agree with you that they were out coached on both sides of the ball. They listen. They won the game because you know you go back to the first half. You know they went up fourteen to nothing before they started to get soft at the end of the second second half. The halftime score was you know fourteen to ten, and then they came out in the second half without not very much adjustments while the Cardinals had made an adjustment. They made a decision that in, you know, third and long situations, second and long situations, they weren't going to just let Jalen Hurst sit in the pocket and, and let him dial up Dallas Goddard or A.J. Brown. No, they decided they were going to come after him and put the pressure on him, and they got to him. You know, conversely, on the other side of the ball, we became less and less aggressive. We went the other way, you know, at, at, and, and then you get to the end of the game, and we should, probably should still be watching, you know, overtime right now. The darn kicker to say he didn't make an adjustment either. The same way he was missing them in warm-ups is the same way he missed them to lose them, you know, in, 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 in the at the end of the game. So it's not so much – you ask how did they win? You know, this was a gift. They dodged a bullet. They're, they're lucky to be, you know, 5-0 and right now. I mean, extremely lucky to be 5-0 and right now. Here's how they won the game. They controlled the clock. They had the ball nine minutes more than Arizona did, so you kept that offense off the field. Kyler Murray slid about a half yard too short in a crucial third down situation, and then the kicker slices one. You know what? You can't be good all the time. It's okay to be lucky every now and then. And you know what? A lucky win still counts as a W, right? Mm, Absolutely. All right. Sure. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you talk about yeah. that games like this that you feel like you 
pulled one out. You snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, whatever right. you want to call it. If you really wanted to boil it down, I think it comes down to two final drives, really. I mean, yes, it comes down to that final drive with Kyler Murray sliding, starting his slide a yard earlier than he should have. But if you look at it, 12 plays, 90 yards. Yes. The Arizona Cardinals go on that long run. They're converting third downs. They're converting on fourth down. They're making things happen. Kyler Murray's making things happen. Well, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense and Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen trusted the run for the first time in this game when you had a lot of opportunities with a banged up offensive line. Opeta goes in there at certain points in the game. Jason Kelsey has to leave. You see a guy like Cam Jurgens get some run. You see a guy like Landon Dickerson trying to improve as well from his injury. And then you finally trust your run game in that fourth quarter and you yourself return the favor from that 12-play 90-yard drive with a 17-play drive that goes 70 yards that ended in the field goal. Bad play there at the goal line, unfortunately, for the Eagles, but they're able to convert the third, or excuse me, the field goal to get the victory there. Those were good resp responses there from the Philadelphia Eagles to make sure that you would walk away from this game with a win. Well, listen, they, they, they are they are good responses, but um, you just you, you you just can't put yourself in those situations and think that you you know you're going to be the team that you want to be you know at, at the at the end of the year, you know I. I I look at the amount of drives. It's like, you know, you allow a team to put together a 17-play drive on you, you know. I mean, at some point in time, as a defensive coordinator, my mindset is, you know, enough is enough, okay? Enough is enough. We need to get off the field. We need to preserve field position, you know. And that's the problem with these bend-but-don't-break style, style defenses. They think that we'll bend, we'll bend, we'll bend, and then when our backs are against the wall, then we'll come after you. Well, the damage is already done because once I know that you're coming with the pressure, now I know what to do. I've already pre-programmed. You know, why not come after you? Come after them in a situation where they don't expect it. You know, so you don't put your players in that kind of position. I don't know. I, I just, you know, they got to figure this out because they're going to be playing against their most heated rival on Sunday Night Football. The whole world is going to be watching next week. Okay. I don't want the Dallas Cowboys to come in here and, and do what the Arizona Cardinals did to them in the second half of this game offensively and what the Detroit Lions did to them in the first game of week one. You know, the blueprint is out there, and they're going to see it. And if they think that they can match up across the board man-to-man, -man, Dallas is not going to – I mean, even, even when they just go a four-man four rush, they have the ability to get pressure. I mean, in a massive way, because they just don't quit. They press the pocket. You've got all of these young guys that are pressed into to action because of injury. You know, what's the easiest thing for a young guy to do? The easiest thing for him to do is to run block. So why the hell are you trying to throw the ball mm -hmm. all over the map, putting yourself in negative situations? They should have started running the ball. The minute that, the minute that um, um, Landon Dickinson went out right before the half, their mindset set should have been, okay, we're going to run the ball. But you know what it is? I can go and look statistically and see that the Cardinals aren't that good against the pass. Right. But they are stout against the run. Right. So what's the mindset? Okay, well, we can't run the ball. Your mindset can't be that way. That's kind of like the person who talks about, oh, you know, blitzing too much is a risk. No, no, no. Just because they've been good against other people against the run, doesn't mean that they're going to be good against us, okay, because we're going to put our fist in the ground, we're going to come up swinging, and we're going to move the ball on the ground because we have to do that. Well, mm -hmm. they, they went up against the best run defense in the league last week on a sloppy track. Yep. 
Jacksonville was only giving up 55 yards a game. They busted them up for 210 yards. You have to at least test the interior. And I'm sitting there watching the game with Seth, and I'm saying, why aren't they attacking this Arizona defense between the tackles more in the run game? If Arizona's that fast coming off the ball and they've got Jalen rolling out of the pocket a lot more, hit them between the tackles. You know, loosen them up. They didn't even try to do that until like the third quarter into the fourth quarter. And lo and behold, that helped them a lot in terms of controlling the clock and not allowing Kyler Murray and that offense to get back on the field. And your running back, by the way, was also coming off a career day running for you just a week Absolutely. ago as well. Now, of course, I am sitting in for Mike Missinelli, who's feeling a little bit under the weather. But Mike, of course, the workhorse that he is, is still joining us from his home studio. Mike, we appreciate you coming in. What was your reaction to this Eagles victory? Thanks, Clarky. First of all, I'm sorry that I'm not down here at the team today, but uh, COVID finally caught up to me, so I'm uh, just convalescing inside here. You know, I, I was writing down notes the whole time, and <clears throat> here's one of the notes uh, I wrote, uh-oh, Seth's not like this. <laughs> and that was, I knew he was going to look again and just being soft today, and, and he was. They, they converted too many third and longs, I thought. And uh, that they, you know, that's not acceptable. I, I thought it was really interesting on the last drive. When he showed pressure... He got them to false start, and that turned it into a, a, a – they wound up getting it down there. And, you know, the difference between a good team and a bad team is a, a bad team loses a game like that where they make a mistake like not getting the first down where he's got to clock it on third down and have no choice but to kick a field goal, and then a bad field goal kicker misses it. So, yeah, the Eagles survived. But the other side of that is they did what they needed to do to win on that last drive. You're, you're right, Farsi. They, they were not running the football – most of the game, and all of a sudden they decided to attack and run the football, and then you know, eight straight rushes. And finally, I, I thought that it was a great throw by uh, by Jalen Hurts to Goddard there when he hung in the pocket. So they did enough to win. I, I hear the the Seth and and, and Gunner saying that you know they're going to play a good team. They can't be passive. I mean, they were obviously afraid of Kyler Murray in this game. Dan was afraid of him, so maybe that's why he was soft. But. Uh, Next week, maybe he's not. I, I, I don't know. But I, I hear I hear what Seth and, and Gunnar are saying. That the sign of a good team, I guess, is that, that we're complaining about a win. Hey, Mike. Mike, let me, ask you, let, let me ask you this. Not only were they afraid of Kyler Murray, but Marquise Brown is sub 4-3 speed as well. Okay, I understand that. But there's a lot of gazelles running around the National Football League with speed. Okay, so we started to applaud Jonathan Gannon for his style of defense games two three and four but after you looked at what he did in this game in terms of playing a passive type defense which is what we chastised him for in game one against Detroit where are you on Jonathan Gannon's scheme right now no I I agree with all, everything that you guys said in, in the open I I thought they they gave a little too much consideration to Kyler Murray making a big play against them. And, you know, he seems to be really afraid of guys that he thinks can make big plays against them. you got to trust your defense somewhere along the line and not be afraid of what their quarterback can do and, 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 and just, you know, go after it for a change. So I, I agree from, from that standpoint. Uh, the other side is that they're – they're a good team. The way they started off this game, I think this is going to be easy pickings again. This is another team that's going to be inferior to what the Eagles have done this year. And, you know, they, they started off with the passing game really well. And then I look up and I go, well, you know, they, Jalen Hurts has rushed 10 times and, and Miles Sanders has seven rushes. They didn't even use Boston Scott or Gamewell. And I don't understand how they get away from certain things that they, they have come to rely on this year. 
Well, they get away from them because, you know, just, just like you said, you know, they have a mindset for what they really want to do. It, it's, like, it's like in the first half, okay? Why would you go into the second half with an iota of fear when Kyler Murray didn't have a single rush outside of the pocket? He didn't break the pocket one time in the first half. So what are you afraid of, okay? You, you tried to run the ball halfway decently in the first half. You had some adjustments, but as you saw the Arizona Cardinals adjust, you didn't adjust. I mean, how many bubble screens did they run today? And how many bubble screens can you run before, you know, you almost get Devontae Smith decapitated because Quez Watkins misses a block? I mean, it's just, I, I, you know, I'm happy that the team is 5-0. and It's a good thing that they're in that position, okay? But Dallas is one game behind. The Giants are going to be a problem. People keep talking about, all oh, the Giants are just lucky. Listen, the Giants, you know, Saquon's healthy. Um, Daniel Jones seems to, seems to finally feel like, you know, he's got some coaching and he knows what to do and his confidence is growing. And Martindale, the defensive coordinator, man, he's a wizard. He can come up with all kinds of different, you know, defenses to cause you problems, okay? So the Eagles can't continue to play like this, you know. I'm not seeing them getting better. They're winning. They're winning games, but I don't see them getting better from the standpoint of, you know, elevating week after week after week after week. That's what this is really all about. Yeah, here's the thing, Seth. I'm going to give him, like, the ultimate benefit of the doubt and say against Cooper Rush, he knows he has to be more aggressive. Now, I mean, maybe that maybe that won't happen. Uh, but, but, you know, against Kyler Murray, I guess he figures he's going to burn me if I get too aggressive. We're good enough to beat this team the way I'm playing it now. But you're right. Next week, if they're not aggressive and Cooper Rush uh, with those weapons – lights them up then i've got to needed to do to win the game yes it should be in an overtime or or in fact they should the cardinals may have scored a touchdown if, if kyler murray was thinking a little hard i don't understand how he can make a mistake like that uh they're, they're fine but no, i can't i can't sit here and really bitch should moan about them being Mike, unfortunately, we're losing you a little bit here, but we do want to say thank you for joining us while you are feeling under the weather, and we hope you have a speedy recovery, my friend. Thank you so much, Mikey Mess. Appreciate Mike Vicinelli still uh, battling uh, coronavirus right now and still kind enough and uh, strong enough to uh, join us here to talk a little Eagles football, obviously. But, yeah, this game does feel like a regression when it comes to this Eagles offense and defense for the most part. Despite it, yes, being a win, we're happy about the win. Still a lot of things to critique and also make sure they can correct by the time they do face the Dallas Cowboys in one week. Coming up, we're going to be joined by Eagles offensive lineman, Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson to talk about all things Eagles and this victory as well as the banged up offensive line as this game progresses. We'll be back on the Pond La Hockey pregame show in a minute. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Score and save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. It's a fall car fest, and Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days.
Welcome back to Pond La Hockey post-game show. Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunseth, Joiner with you. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to be joined by Lane Johnson, Eagles right tackle. Fill us in on all the things that were going on, and there were a lot of things going on when it came to that Eagles offensive line. Now, we did cover a lot when it came to the defensive side of things, which Jonathan Gannon needed to do. But we do want to talk a little bit about the quarterback play today from Jalen Hurts. Still was able to get the victory for the Eagles, obviously, today, leading them on that long drive towards the end of the game. 26-36 for 239 yards, no passing touchdowns, also no interceptions. There was one close call. Ran for two touchdowns with a little quarterback sneak right up the middle. Overall, how would you assess the play today of Jalen Hurts today, Gunner? Jalen Hurts did what he had to do. Arizona forced him out of the pocket time and time again. Uh, he made some, some necessary throws, some big throws to a strong side across his body, and at other times he threw the ball away when he had nothing there. Officially, Jalen Hurts, no quarterback sacks today. Why? Because he played a smart football game. Okay, he didn't serve up any potential. Well, there was one that could have been a pick. You know, luckily the defender dropped the football. But Jalen Hurts shows you once again that he will do what's necessary to win football games. He's a very smart, heady quarterback. He stepped up and ran when he had to. There were a number of uh, quarterback draws for him as well, which he picked up significant yards. Um, was it his best game? No. Arizona dictated a lot of what he could and could not do in this game today. So I thought Jalen Hurts played a pretty efficient game today. I, I just believe that, you know, he did what he could, what, what was called, you know. They didn't give him the benefit of having the running game through the running backs early in the game. We didn't see that until, you know, the third quarter, almost the fourth quarter. Um, so, and clearly the game plan was to get the ball to, you know, Dallas Goddard early. They felt like, you know, they could take advantage of some mismatches. They, you know, they, they came out with some screen plays, you know, to Dallas early. Um, a couple to, you know, some of the other wide receivers. But you just you just really need never saw you know the desire to like push the ball down the field to create good route combinations against some of the zone coverage or try to take advantage of some of the one-on-ones when you did have man 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 coverage and then the other thing is you know i was just tweeting with some guy on on twitter about it i put a tweet up i'm like can someone please tell me does that does the philadelphia eagles do they have a sight adjustment built into their offense. Now, what's the sight adjustment? When a quarterback is, you know, about to get the snap, and you'll see him stop, he reads a blitz, okay? That tells the wide receivers, you know, to cut their routes off. They have a defined, you know, route that they'll adjust to depending on, you know, where they're, where they're aligned on the field. Well, and, and all, all teams have it. You know, a lot of times if you've got three on this side and one on this side, the quarterback will look back on the weak side where the one is, and depending on whether the cornerback is playing inside or outside, if he's, if he's inside, okay, he's going to shake and run the fade. If he's lined up outside, it's the easiest throw in football. He just throws, throws a slam. But we don't see that with our offense. It's almost like, and I want to ask Lane about this, you know, when we get him on, is it incumbent upon the protection to be able to pick up all blitzes, yet the routes stay the same. You know, we saw it against Detroit. We saw it again today, that there's no sight adjustments that are actually built in. And if they if they are, even I'm not seeing them, you know, and I don't miss a whole lot when I'm watching the game. It looks like the, the wide receivers are just running their routes, whatever they are, you're keeping the back end to help pick up the extra guy that's coming. Sometimes it's two and you can't pick them all up. And there's no adjustment by, you know, the wide receivers. So 
that that has to change because you're not gonna you're not gonna help your quarterback because teams are looking at it and they're seeing that there's no 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 sight adjustment. You know, for example, you got a guy like AJ Brown. You should be able to run the slant anytime you want to. Once he gets inside, it's a done deal because he's got whoever it is that's on him completely boxed out. His body's too big. You can do the same thing with Dallas Goddard on the other side if you wanted to. So I, I, I don't know, man. I just when I look at this situation, I saw I believe that the, that the Eagles got out coached. I think that they they came in with a game plan, and when it came time to adjust that game plan, they didn't have the answers to make the adjustments on the fly. And yet the Cardinals just kept making adjustments as they went along, and the, and the Eagles had no no answer for those adjustments. Well, real quick, just yeah. on one particular play when it came to a side adjustment, or at least checking to a new play once Jalen Hurst was in front of him and didn't like it, Dallas Goddard did tell the media after the game today that that big third down conversion, the third and 12, was a checked play away from what was originally called from Jalen Hurst. So that was at least one play that Jalen Hurst saw when he stepped up to the line of scrimmage, they didn't like what he saw, and then was able to take advantage of something else that the defense was giving him. Well, you said one. One, exactly, okay. one, yeah. But yeah. To, to further your point, there were plenty of opportunities here where we were looking at bubble screens left and right when it came, mostly right, to this ball club. And we looked at the way they were doing this, and it just looked like it was out of control. And what you know what why? Seth was kept on screaming for was Quez Watkins. Where's that seam? Where's that go route? Well, listen, for every it's called offensive coordination. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't just haphazardly call plays. Okay, what you should be doing is you should be calling, you should be calling plays to set up other plays, like. Like, if you got two runs out of a specific formation, okay, you should have at least two to three passes off of each one of those runs. Why? Because you want to, you want the defense to believe that they're getting that same run again. And you get the linebackers and everybody to bite up on it, and then you raise up and you hit them with, you hit them with the pass. Right. So now, when the next time they see that formation, their mind is going a thousand miles a minute because they don't know whether it's run or pass because the run looks exactly like the pass. That's the whole point of the RPO is to give you a similar look or the read options that give you a similar look and give you something a little bit different every time add a little new wrinkle to it every single every single play and I just saw more of the same bubble screen bubbles every time you saw you know too many guys in the box let's just bubble screen it outside the hit the hits pass has become such an integral part of offensive football that we watched today in this game in particular I'm screaming they're running too many of the hits passes but I can see why with Arizona speed coming after uh, uh, Jalen Hurts basically he was trying to catch him at some point to see if he can catch him in the odd man you know it happens it happens quite quite a lot in the National Football League whether you like it or not but you when you take into consideration how much that Arizona defense was bird-dogging Jalen Hurst today. You had to try something to try to catch him maybe with one too many men down in the box and too many guys coming forward in instead of too many guys dropping back. Now, a couple of times it worked, especially to Devonta Smith for nice gainers. And other times, though, it didn't work. You go to the well too many times, yeah. okay? Once every once in a while, you're gonna go and you're gonna pull up a bucket of empty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no question. We're gonna go out to Arizona right now. Talk to Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson. Brought to us by Dry Tech. If your basement is flooding from all this rain and all the rain, call Dry Tech. Lane, first off, how are you, and how are the rest of your offensive line mates? Uh, good. Yeah, it was a uh, wasn't a pretty game by any means. Uh, felt like we had a lot of. Um, areas where we could have capitalized on. Uh, but, yeah, we had some guys battle through, Kels, Isaac, um, you know, Driscoll got stepping in. 
uh, Sue Opetta. So, yeah, just a big night for the for the O-line crew. Hey, Lane, from an offensive perspective, was this the most physical game you guys uh, played up to this point? You know, I think, you know, when it comes to the run game, I feel like they, they had good matchups. I feel like they were active, uh, quick, and then their backers were – were uh, very good. It's like they had a good game plan against us. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, like I said, we, we had moments where we had big plays, and you think we're about to go down there and make it a two-score game, but that wasn't the case. So, you know, we got a lot of work on. Uh, we know that, and, uh, yeah, we got to get that stuff fixed. Lane, I know that, you know, this is this, this question I'm going to ask you is normally, you know, it's incumbent upon the quarterback and the wide receivers. And I have to ask because, you know, we've seen this. We saw it in week one. We saw it, you know, today. Um, do you guys have sight adjustments built into, you know, the offense? Like when when you when you get a blitz look as far as, you know, pre-snap, um, is there sight adjustments between the quarterback and the wide receivers on the outside? Because it looks like to me that it's incumbent upon you guys up front to protect whatever it looks like, but the routes remain the same. Now, I know that Jalen does a lot of checking at the line of scrimmage. I think that there was something that Dallas Goddard just said in his interview, um, but sometimes it looks like there's plays to be made and that those sight adjustments need to happen in order for Jalen to do his job efficiently and to take some pressure off of you guys as well. Yeah, I feel like it could be a lot more fluid I, uh, you know, obviously there's there's plays uh, to throw hot on. Um, I felt like, uh, yeah, there was times their pass rush capitalized. I don't know what happened early. I know he escaped the pocket a bunch of times. Um, so obviously there was pressure from somewhere. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's able to capitalize and make plays off of that. And, uh, but, you know, as the offense, we know we have a, we have a lot of stuff to fix. I mean, it wasn't, this wasn't our cleanest game. It's a very, very ugly game. And, uh, yeah, moving forward, got a lot of work on. Lane, you guys had established yourselves in the early goings of the game, and a lot of it was thanks to uh, interception. You guys were able to punch it in on a couple of different goal line situations with quarterback sneaks. But then later in the game, it didn't seem like the offense was able to gain that momentum until that 17-play drive. And you guys seemed to trust the run a little bit more. Would you wish you'd seen that a little bit earlier in the game, or do you feel like that was just dialed up at the right time during that 17-play drive? Uh, you know, we start off hot. And just how the style of the game goes, uh, you know, I feel like we were making big plays downfield early. So it's kind of hard to get away from that. And then you know, as the game progresses and evolves, you know, you attack it differently, make, make halftime adjustments. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys on O-line, uh, you know, played through something. And, and uh, Jack Driscoll played a hell of a game. Sue Opetta stepping in, Cam Jurgens, You know, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of people rotating in and out. And, uh, you know, hats off to those guys and uh, Coach Stout. Hey, Lane, can you give us an update on some of your offensive linemen? I mean, I knew Dickerson went down. He came back. Um, Jason Kelsey got nicked up. He limped off the field. Um, are these guys going to be good to go next week? Because next week is the one everybody's been waiting for. I'm not a medical professional, but I think I saw him walking uh, walking around the locker room. So, I think <laughs> so he's good, 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lane, okay. do you, Lane, Lane, do you think you guys got away from the run a little bit too much in the first half? I mean, that had been your bread and butter uh, a lot this yeah. season. Yeah, I mean, we had a better second half, you know. Uh, before this, you know, we the second half wasn't, you know, wasn't. we've always been having a great second quarter. 
you know, didn't really have a great second half. But I felt like at times when we needed to cut down the clock and, and make some plays, we did. Yeah, uh, like I said, like you know, those some of those pass plays early, making big, big, big chunks, and then trying to turn away from that. It's, it's just the rhythm of the game, and so you know, we make our adjustments as best we can after every series. That's really what it comes down to: the communication. You know, Lane, the plays that are called are the plays that you guys run. But from an offensive lineman standpoint, um, don't you just feel like, you know, you, you, you guys up front are in your rhythm a lot more when you can get to your run game and then get to your pass game? Um, I know as a defensive player, one of the most demoralizing things, you know, that we ever experienced was having a team run the ball down your throat and there's nothing that you can do about it, which then opens up the rest of the playbook once you start go play action, misdirection, everything else. Uh, but I got to imagine as an offensive lineman, you know, your mentality has got to be let's mash them. And then once we kick the, kick the pass, it makes life a lot easier. And then when you've got, you know, your second teamers in as well, um, isn't it a lot easier for those kids to run block than it is to pass block, you know, too much? Yeah. If you, uh, if you ever come down to training camp or uh, watch our practices, like we hit them bags every day, I and mean, that's that's what we do. Stouts, Stouts, uh, he's crazy about that drill, and uh, they're really firing off. So I guess been a style of approach for a long time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's different things to uh, approach in the pass game. Uh, a lot of defenses try to create space as much as they can, and it's really you know like a chess match there. So yeah, like you said, a bunch of guys stepped up and. And made plays. You know, it's not easy to do with you know with some of the rotations. Certainly, Lane. Uh, one of the things I really admired about the team leaders yourself being one of them, especially Jason Kelsey as well. Talking about how you guys will critique wins the same way we will losses. Is this one of those victories that you feel like there's a lot that still has to be corrected despite it being a W? No, I mean it's really uh, Mondays. Really like the the, the day where you're going to answer the bell. You know, you, you go back to the tape and. You know, they say the eye in the sky, uh, and really you just go back and, you know, really be be, be highly self-critical of yourself. And, uh, you know, a lot of the game goes down to his effort and uh, and trying to uh, play with good technique. And so really what it comes down to. Hey, Lane, leading up to this game, this Eagles team had been the talk of the National Football League because you're the last of the undefeated standing. How much does the veteran leadership in this locker room on a daily or weekly basis Talk about don't read your press clippings. Don't start feeling yourselves. We have to stay focused week to week because we haven't accomplished what we want to accomplish in the bigger scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I just you got to uh, maintain the course. I feel it really you got to get lost in your work and uh, enjoy coming to work and working hard and and uh, having fun with the guys. Uh, it's cliches, it's sounds. It's uh, that's what it's about. You know, the Wednesdays and Thursdays and the Fridays, um, get prepared for the game. So, yeah, that's really what you got to focus on. You got to treat practice very seriously and uh, and don't take anything lightly. Hey, Lane, every, every game, every win is a hard win to get, man. So I'm going to just say to you, man, enjoy it. Um, you guys get healthy. Good luck next week. Beat Dallas, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass it back over to – to Farzi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aside from all that, congratulations on being 5-0, and and hopefully you guys can continue this heading against the Dallas Cowboys. Lane, thank you so much. 
Thank you. Lane Johnson, Eagles right tackle, best right tackle in football, joining us right there, brought to us by Dry Tech. I mean, certainly you guys, after, and Seth, you know this better than us, of course, when it comes to a win, you enjoy it no matter what on that game day, and then afterwards is where you start to hit that tape. Now, listen, there's not a guy in that locker room right now that's pleased with how that game turned out. You know, you're happy to get the win because of how hard it is to, you know, to, to win in the NFL. You know, people don't realize, you know, there's only 1,619, 1,696 players in all of the NFL. Think about that number, okay? So when you're talking about that number, you're talking about the elite of the elite. And it's hard to win, even against so-called bad football teams, because even bad football teams have good, good, good or great players on their roster. Um, so, you know, a win is a win. They're hard to come by. You take them, you accept them, but you're, all, you're also always critical. I mean, I don't care how good you play. You can always look at the film and find something you can do better. And I don't care how bad you think you play. You always look at the film and you'll find something that you did exceptional. That's just the nature of the game. That's how they got the 5-0. and They were hypercritical going into the season. They were hypercritical of the fact that that paper was looking so good. And now they're hypercritical of the fact that, yeah, we're 5-0, and but there's still a lot to improve upon. And that's how this team ultimately will continue to get better. We'll dissect it more when we come back here on the Pond Hockey postgame show. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My husband hadn't missed work in 15 years. His injury required months of rehabilitation, and unfortunately, the insurance company didn't see it that way. I was working two jobs, but it wasn't enough. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. We sat down, told them our story, and they guided us through the whole workers' compensation legal process. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story. you know, the team you trust, the Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givenish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givenish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was, it, was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another uh, 
shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Welcome back to the Pond the Hockey Post Game Show. I'm Devin Caney, and it is time for our Diamond Debate presented by Mark's Jewelers. And guys, I know I have different bling on every week. Uh, this week, it's pretty obvious. Again, on my finger, they love to make me look like I'm engaged. Wait, um, I can't. I can't see. Oh, there we go. There we go. Wow. Yeah, it's it's I. It's like trying to catch it in the light here. Um, oh, how and many that carrots is, are we looking at? I don't know. I don't really understand carrots, but it is um, really expensive. <laughs> well, I'll explain real quick. You got a lot of them on your finger right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is like, yeah, I would, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me from carrying this thing around. I'm not going to lie. Um, so let's get to our diamond debate. And if you guys are tuning in, you can vote on our YouTube and also on Twitter. Uh, are you guys worried about the Cowboys spoiling the Eagles' undefeated streak on Sunday night football? I'm still personally like tormented from both Cowboys games last season, particularly that first primetime game that was Monday night football uh, when they just absolutely embarrassed the Eagles. But we are a different team now. feel a little bit better, but I am still worried. I'm worried that, you know, if this coaching staff doesn't come up with a more definitive, you know, game plan for the Cowboys, that defense is like uber aggressive. Uh, so you got to come up with ways to take advantage of their aggressiveness. But also think that, you know, if Dak Prescott is not back and you're going against Cooper Rush again next week on Sunday night on the biggest stage, you know, then you better have a blitz package together to put pressure on him. Listen. Gallup is back, but, you know, he's back off a major injury. CeeDee Lamb is dealing with a groin injury. Um, you're, you're, they're tight end. Dalton Schultz, he limped off again today. So 
they're, they're playing, you know, with, with limited, you know, capacities. You know, that their offensive line really isn't all that great when you think about all that they've lost. So this is, a, this is an opportunity to take advantage of another young quarterback. It's an opportunity to take advantage of another um, unripened quarterback and, and try to put pressure on him. Because if, if you sit back and that running game gets to go on and then they get some play action going, then you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems on your hand because our defense is going to have to perform at the level of their defense because their defense is just really that darn good. Michael Parsons is a beast. Demarcus Lawrence is a beast. They got guys that can just flat out fly, and they're about eight, nine deep on the defensive line. I think Dallas is one of the quickest defensive fronts off the snap in the National Football League, if not the quickest defensive front off the uh, – I, I, I would be shocked if Jonathan Gannon plays a passive scheme the way he played against Kyler Murray today. It's like Seth said, Cooper Rush doesn't turn the football over, but there's a reason he's a backup in the National Football League. And what's the best way to rattle the quarterback? Get in his face time and time again. Put heat on him the way Arizona's defense put heat on Jalen Hurts today. And I think that's what he's going to do as he did against Trevor Lawrence, as he did against Kirk Cousins. Um, if he doesn't, I would be flat out shocked. Am I worried about Dallas coming in here and spoiling this team's perfect record? Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a grudge match. It's a division game. If, if the Eagles win, they're two games up on Dallas. Eagles lose, they're tied for the division lead. Both sides know the magnitude of this game. Um, my biggest concern is what did Arizona know about this Eagles offense that stymied this Eagles offense? It wasn't until uh, the Eagles started running the football in the fourth quarter to control the clock. when they That was the biggest difference in the game, them controlling the football nine minutes more than Arizona did. Because if it hadn't been a lot of three and outs for this Eagles team or a lot of two, three-minute drives, we might be sitting here talking about this Eagles' first loss of the season. Well, I, listen, I, I will I – will, submit to you what they knew was the Eagles wanted to come out and they they thought that they couldn't run the ball so they didn't try in the first half of that game they came out and decided to throw it so normally what you want to do as a defense you want to make your opponent one-dimensional because once you make them one-dimensional they know that they can't run it you know that they can't run it so now you got them in a predictable situation the problem is the Eagles made themselves one-dimensional in the first half and by doing that, they tipped their hand to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals came out and said, okay, you're going to pass every down. We'll just come after you. We're going to come after your quarterback with, with no regard for the fact that you might run the ball. It wasn't until they actually committed to the running game in the third quarter, towards the end of the third quarter, that things began to change for the offense. But by then, you know, the Cardinals, Cardinals offense was already doing their thing, and Jonathan Gannon was already in passive mode, and, you know, it was game on. Yeah, but you, Arizona's a good run defense. Jacksonville was the best run defense. Right. Why didn't you come at Arizona a lot earlier in the game than you did? You, it's like we said, they didn't really go to the run until the third and fourth quarter. That was a big difference. J.J. Watt led the team with two sacks coming into this game. Exactly. Okay? They had four um, in a season. The, the Allen kid, you know, only had one or two coming into this game. One, yeah. So the thought is, okay, if they can't rush, they, if they can't get out after the passer, you know what they really want to be is they really want to throw the ball. They, you know, every offense in the NFL wants to throw the football. Okay, they look at the running game as something secondary that we have to do in order to keep defenses honest. You know, but this team got to the playoffs last year by doing what? Running the football. And I get you trying to evaluate 
you know, Jalen Hurts, and you're trying to, you know, validate the fact that you gave up one of your first rounders and spent $100 million on this wide receiver, and you extended your tight end, and you got a good line, so you want to throw the ball. But, but there's nothing wrong with running the football that allows your entire playbook to right. be open. Right. So, that, so now when you throw it, you can have the success down the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at – go ahead, go ahead, because I, I'm, I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to go in, off no, on a whole no, other tangent. It plays into what you're saying, and please go on a tangent once I ask this question. You know, looking at this talented Dallas defense, what kind of offense do you think the Eagles have to run to succeed against that defense? Because I'm scared of Dallas' defense. Listen, they better, they better come out and they better try to establish a run game early, okay? They decimated, I mean decimated – the defending Super Bowl champions today, okay? Matthew Stafford threw the ball 42 times today for 308 yards, okay? One touchdown, one interception. He was sacked five times, and I mean battered and beaten. You want to know how many times they ran the ball today? A total of 15 times, 15 times, and 13 of them were by the running back. The other two were by, you know, wide receiver sweeps, okay? For 2.5 yards, average you're not going to beat an, an elite team like that i mean even if you can't run the ball the way you really want to you still have to put it in the defense's mind that we're going to try to run the football i mean if you don't like i said you make yourself one dimensional now you know we can dial up whatever whatever blitzes we want to dial up and i'm telling my big dogs hey man pin your ears back you know, I got your back if they decide to hand it off. I'll take care of the draw. I'll take care of the quarterback draw. You pin your ears back and go get the quarterback and play the run on the way to the, to the pass. Mm -hmm. I think anybody that looks at the Dallas Cowboys defense and says to themselves, I'm not worried at all, I'm not scared at all, we're going to be fine against them, I guarantee you that's exactly what the L.A. Rams were saying before this game. We're not scared of Cooper Rush. We're not scared of that defense. We can get after him with Aaron Donald. We can get after their defense with our quick passing and our reigning Super Bowl champion in Matthew Stafford. And it didn't work out that way at all. You're just not being real with yourself if you don't acknowledge the fact that at least this Dallas defense is pretty damn good. And yes, Cooper Rush, backup quarterback certainly, but he is doing things to help you win games and doing things that backup quarterbacks should always be doing, which is always the thing that's not going to lose the game for you and that's how he has played so well to this point and for as bad as the NFC East was supposed to be I mean you're looking at a bunch of four and one teams and the Giants and also you're looking at this team today. looking yep. at this team uh, like the the Dallas Cowboys and you're also looking at the Eagles that are undefeated they're one win better than the rest of that division with the exception of course of Carson Wentz and the commanders are a little bit better than them but anyone that's just looking at this team saying they're not at all worried I think they, they have a reality check in store for them. Well, so here's another question. Going into the Cowboys-Rams game today, I was saying Cooper Rush is fraudulent because I didn't think he was as good <laughs> as his statistics showed. You know, not throwing a pick. Okay, he technically threw two. They were just called backs. There were penalties. He is a backup quarterback for a reason. But he hasn't lost as a Cowboys quarterback Four yet. Out. But we keep hearing rumors about Dak Prescott potentially coming back and making his return. Who would you rather play next week? Dak or Cooper Rush? Uh, Dak. Me too. Based on what I saw Dak do in that first game, which he mm -hmm. cost uh, he cost Dallas that game against Tampa Bay because he missed numerous wide open receivers. I'd rather play, I'd rather play Dak right now. Mm -hmm. You know, for whatever reason, this team seems to play better with Cooper Rush under center, and obviously the defense follows the lead of Micah Parsons. Now we saw Micah Parsons limp off the field today, and found out he was uh, dealing with a groin injury. That man came back on in the field, and Seth and I were sitting there watching him. He was shedding chip blocks. 
shedding left tackles and still getting to the quarterback. I don't want to see that next week. Now, if you have Sua Opeta and Jack Driscoll on their left side and they like to move Parsons around, what would you do if you're Dallas's defensive coordinator? What are you going to do? I'm telling you what is going to happen. You're going to, if Sue Opeta and Jack Driscoll have to play on the left side, if Jordan Malad is not up for next week's game, okay, and for some reason, some reason or another, um, Landon Dickerson can't go, and you've got that combination, you're going to get both Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons yeah, yeah. over on that left side the majority of the game. And they're going to be running all kinds of stunts and games over there, and I'm telling you right now what you're going to see. I'm telling you what you're going to see. Well, now, now and t- to answer your question, though, I'd rather see Cooper Rush. Okay, I, I really would because I think because I think you can be more aggressive against Cooper Rush, and it's a much more predictive game plan. You know, when Cooper Rush is in the game, listen, he threw he only threw the ball 16 times today. You want to know why? Because they ran it 34 times for 163 yards for 4.8 yards a carry. Okay, so. When Dak is playing, they're more apt to put the ball in the air. They want to throw the ball with Dak because they believe that they have an advantage with him at quarterback in doing so. And now that they got Gallup back, absolutely, they want to air it up. But they know that they have to play a different style with Cooper Rush, that they have to run the ball. The play-action pass has to be a part of what they do in order for him to have success. I would agree with you normally, 99 times out of 100, Seth. The only reason I agree with Gunner is the wait, fact wait, that wait, I don't think that's supposed yeah, to mean? No, the only reason I agree with Gunner is for this. It's something you didn't mention. I believe Dak Prescott is going to come back and play in this game with a bum thumb. I'll, I'll face any Hall of Famer ever as long as they can't grip the football. If Dak Prescott can't grip the football. And you hope it's cold. And do, oh, frigid. The problem is if he comes back, you can bet, you can darn well believe he's going he to be able to grip, grip the football. Well, this team is 4-0 without him. <laughs> If you're yeah. rushing them back right now, that tells me maybe it's a little premature of him. Uh, I get, I guarantee you, maybe they're not rushing him back. Maybe he's, you know, a little healthy. I feel like Dak is rushing himself back. Well, that's, yeah, that's my point. You're <laughs> no, talking about no, as Jerry of Jones is trying to rush himself. Well, Tuesday, that's Jerry Jones said. Jer- Tuesday, Jerry Jones said that he couldn't grip the football. Okay. So he was asked if, point blank about him coming back. If he, he can't yet. grip the football, then he's not going to play. If you see him step on the field, yeah. trust me, he can grip it and he can spin it the way he's been spinning. Do you honestly believe anything Jerry Jones says? No. Okay. <laughs> no. I don't believe he's a got a, his, I don't believe any of his faces of his mouth. when he lies. I don't believe any of it. Not, not a word. Okay, so we have uh, Cowboys next Sunday night, but uh, the Eagles have also yet to face the Giants, who beat the Packers today. Who scares you more, Giants or Cowboys? Oh, I, I would say Cowboys. Yeah. I would say Cowboys because of the, the swiftness of that defense. They do have a better collection of receivers. You know, we, we talk about C.D. Lamb, and we talk about Michael Gallup finally coming back, but they have another young receiver in this kid, Noah Brown, who's the favorite target of Cooper, Cooper Rush because they spend so much time together playing backup in practices and stuff. And, and because Cooper's in there, Noah's starting to shine. Tony Pollard is going to make a lot of people forget about a guy named Ezekiel Elliott. He busted a long one today for a touchdown as well. I look at the Giants. The Giants did three things very well before this year. They hired the right head coach in Dayball. They hired the right defensive coordinator finally in Wink Martindale. And they restructured their entire uh, front office. And they're going in the right direction. Everybody kept saying the Giants are trash. That was a big win. Now, maybe Green Bay's overrated. But that was a big win for them to come back the way they did. They were down 17-3 at one point. 
came back and greet the, beat the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's a statement game for them. When you keep building momentum like that, especially when you've already equaled your, your win total from a season ago in five weeks, guys are looking around and saying, hey, you know what, maybe we're not as bad as we thought we were, and the Giants are not 100% healthy yet. Yeah, no, I feel like their win over the Packers today solidified them. It gave them that boost of confidence, and that scares me. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you the next go, Farzan. The next what? I said I'm going to give you the next the next go at that question. The next go at that well, question. We you, are going you, to come back to that after the break. Oh. We do have to break. Uh, that was our diamond debate presented by Mark's Jewelers. Again, my sparkly diamond ring you can pick up yourself from Mark's Jewelers. Uh, stick around because the D'Ambrosio drive of the game is coming up on the Pond the Hockey postgame show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Score and save this football season on your car insurance. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an Audible this season and contact the Del Val Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of Del Val Insurance, 215-354-0122. Or score and save at DVIGI.com. DVIGI.com. Over the last 17 years, we've built a reputation of growing award-winning teams across the country. 
Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. It's a fall car fest, and Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. the Pond the Hockey post-game show. It is time for our Jeff D'Ambrosio Auto Group Drive of the Game. Go JeffAuto.com. Uh, last segment, Mark, I think you were about to drop a really fire point, so I'm going to start <laughs> with you. Give me your drive of the game and wrap up your point if you well, want to well, give it. Something tells me that Seth was teeing me up for something, but the question was whether or not I was more worried about the Cowboys yes, yes. or I was more worried about the Giants. I'm more worried about the Cowboys simply because of the defensive factor here. I mean, look at what the, you saw in the Arizona Cardinals, what they were able to do against this offense. I know the offense wasn't able to rise to the occasion until what undoubtedly was the drive of the game, which was their incredible 17-play drive. But defensively speaking, if Dallas was able to do what they were able to do tonight against a team like the Rams, I can only imagine what they're going to be able to do to try to contain a team like the Eagles in a matchup like that. The Giants, I still feel like, are a team that will get to the next level eventually, but right now I don't think it's their time to beat the Eagles. So, yes, if it's one or the other, I'm more concerned concerned about the Cowboys than I'm the Giants. See, we got, we, we're usually on the same page here, but we're like, we're, like, we're, like, we're like way off today because you know what? I watched the game today, the Giants play. I watched them play. Um, Saquon Barkley is back to the old Saquon. I looked at Danny Dimes, and Danny Dimes, for the first time, looks like he has a clue. He seems to understand where everybody is in the offense. He knows when to run, when not to run. He's playing tough, smart football. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they just gave the Green Bay Packers offense all that they wanted, you know, across the board. So I think from an overall standpoint, and then, you know, to, to D-Gun's point, they finally got it right at, at the head coach. You know, these players on the Giants believe when they take the field, they believe that they can win now. That's a dangerous thing to actually have that belief. And then the coach expresses that belief in them week one, going for two instead of one to actually win the game. And he repeats it week after week after week. And you can just see this team's confidence growing, the quarterback's confidence growing. And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, what Martindale's able to dial up, I mean, he can confuse the heck out of a lot of quarterbacks. So. I'm more concerned on a big scale, okay? I'm concerned about the Giants' defense, but I'm concerned about the Giants and the, the total pitch more than anything. Do you have a, did you say your drive of the game? 
My drive of the game, I thought you started down there. Oh, I did. I, was, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's tough to dispute. I mean, when you have a 17-play drive that ends up winning yeah, the game for you, that kind of, I think, has to be it for all of us. But then again, you can look at a couple different drives that were more short yardage situations in the early goings of the game. And even Lane Johnson, when he joined us a second ago, was telling us about how you were able to get a turnover in the early goings of the game. You were able to make some big plays, a couple of uh, screen patterns before it became cliche in this game to throw a screen to Dallas Goddard or Devontae Smith. You were also able to complete the ball downfield to uh, A.J. Brown, who didn't even see a target from the middle of the first, or middle of the second quarter till the fourth quarter. I mean, that's way too long to not be targeting A.J. Brown. Yeah, what was was that just good coverage from them or just play calling or not? Like, I, I don't know what the reasoning behind A.J. Brown not seeing the ball was. It wasn't enough, whatever it was, but it seemed like they took it away defensively. You know, it, it's, it, it, it kind of, it's kind of clear to me that, you know, the Eagles go into each game with a game plan, okay? Week one, it was pretty darn evident that, you know, A.J. Brown, he was the focal point in that game because that was the matchup that they felt like they had the best situation. We come back week two, and all of a sudden, you know, Devontae Smith explodes and, and just has, you know, this hell of a game. And then today, it seemed like the theme was Dallas got it to start. Um, it doesn't seem like, to me, there's, you know, a, a, a let's spread the ball around type of thing. I think they zero in on a matchup that they think that they can win with, and they go with that. That's the theme of what they do, and then they evolve and they change as the game goes on. Um, um, listen, I, I think that you know the Eagles' second scoring drive, 16 plays, 80, 87 yards, um, it gave them a 14-point lead. They were up 14, 14 to nothing. If they don't get there, it's likely that they lose this game. It's very likely that they lose this game if they don't get to if they don't get that second touchdown before the half and go up 14 to nothing because Arizona turned around and came back and put 10 points on the board before the half and they went into the half. I mean the the the, the Eagles 14 to 10. So I think that was the most important drive of the game. Now that drive later in the game, yeah, that's important because you gotta you know you gotta get to the point where you can get the three point lead. But that drive right there. If, if you erase that seven, that alters everything. Yeah. I, I don't disagree, but I have to say that 17-play drive that almost stayed up eight minutes on the clock was huge. 13 of those plays were running plays. They kept the clock moving. They kept that Arizona event offense off the, off the field, which wouldn't allow them to get any momentum. And they allowed a kicker they just picked up off the street earlier this week to hit that chip shot to put them in front by three points, a necessary three points, because as we saw, Arizona goes down the field, their kicker shanks one. So I'm going to go with the 17-play, eight-minute drive that led to the deciding three points in this game. Yes, I mean, we have to give credit to Nick Sirianni's clock management, honestly, in this game, and I think throughout this season so far it's been great. But, Mark, you're shaking your head, so. Uh, no, I'm up? nodding. This Still. is an affirmative nod. Affirmative <laughs> okay, nod. It just okay. bothers the only thing. The only, the only thing that bothers me is that you had such a great run game last week and it took you so long to get back into the swing of things running even though you had the big hints that were out there injured offensive linemen let your offensive line find a rhythm you do that the fastest way possible by running the football and seth you brought it up many times already you can establish that rhythm in the early goings of a game especially with injury when you're running the football i thought it was obvious and yes as we were talking we were talking to uh john mcmullen during halftime devin you and i and he talked about how the eagles came into this game with a clear game plan of wanting to throw the football wanting to air it out 
Well, yes, that sometimes is the best version of yourself, but what you were just coming off of seemed to be pretty damn good with Miles Sanders being able to run up the middle for 131 yards, two touchdowns, all career highs. They showed the stats during the game, and I'm thinking to myself, when are they going to go back to this? And you know when they went back to it? In clutch time, when they needed it the most, and that's when they were able to step up with their run game well, again. Well, I'll say this again. I made the assertion last week. If you go back and you look over the history of Miles Sanders as a running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, they like to keep him around 15, 16 carries a game. Now, last week, you know, dictated that they had to give him the ball more. He was hot. You know, he was running hot last week. And because of the field, the field conditions, they couldn't throw the ball the way they really wanted to, so they had to. You know, so are you going to turn around and give him the ball 27 times last week, you know, for 134 yards and two touchdowns, and then turn around this week? and feeding 30 more carries, there was no way in hell they were going to do that. So when you look, you know, there was a concerted effort to take some of the load off of him. He only had 15 carries. He's back back to where he was, you know. And, and, I, and I believe that's really the game plan. Now, you got Trey Sermon, you got Boston Scott, you got Kenneth Gainwell. You can make hay and make up for those extra carries through those guys, of which Kenneth Gainwell only got three carries. The other 15 carries were by Jalen Hurts. You know, so you can do that, but it's pretty obvious, you know, what it is they're trying to do. And they want to throw the football. And they thought that their better match was against a team that was ranked, you know, higher versus the pass than they were versus the run. And that was their game plan. I thought this was just another testament to both Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen of identifying what wasn't working and what we needed to do. They ran the football 33 times in this game today. 13 of those came on that decisive drive. 13 out of 17 plays were running plays on that decisive decisive drive that led to the game-winning score. So I'm going to give kudos to the offensive brain trust for making another in-game adjustment. We talk about how they make in-game adjustments. They made the necessary in-game adjustment when they had to. They definitely did. Uh, okay, we're going to wrap up that our, this segment, D'Ambrosio Auto Group, Drive of the Game, go driveauto.com. Stick around because the Pond the Hockey post-game show will be back after this break. My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey, tell us your story. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. It's a fall car fest, and Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Score and save this football season on your car insurance. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an Audible this season and contact the Del Val Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of Del Val Insurance, 215-354-0122. Or score and save at DVIGI.com. DVIGI.com. At Stateside Vodka. Every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Welcome back to the Pond, the Hockey post-game show. Mark Farzetta, set joiner, Derek Gunn. Mark Farzetta in for Mike Missinelli, who is recovering from COVID. Mike joined us earlier in the program to give us his thoughts on the game. And similar to all of us, yes, it's a win. We respect the fact that the Eagles are 5-0, and but it was a tough pill to swallow for a lot of this game, most notably because, yet again, we felt like we went through a regression to Jonathan Gannon's defense, not being aggressive. Some would say respecting Kyler Murray a little too much with his mobile ability, being able to extend plays and at certain times, especially on that final drive of the game for the Arizona Cardinals. Had the opportunity there to break one wide open. 
and he ended up taking one for about 20 yards. So there were certain instances where they maybe respected Kyler Murray just a little too much. Seth, overall, we've been talking about the defense, again, getting back to that gear of being aggressive. At what point do you take what you do so well and what you have done throughout this season so well, coming into this week, number one in sacks, you got away from in this game. At what point do you make that your standby? I don't know. I mean, I think you are who you are in a lot of ways. You know, people, have, we've been talking, we've talked this to death. I mean, through, it, there's only five weeks and we got 12 more weeks to go, <laughs> you know, plus a bye. You know, and I'm sure we'll, they'll, another opportunity will present itself. We talked about it last year. Um, we talked about in, in pregame how, you know, we feel like that there's an influence of Vic Fangio in the building that's trying, that's trying to change some of, you know, the things that, that Jonathan Gannon does and that there's some influence there as well. But I think deep down inside, what who and what Jonathan Gannon really is, you know, you heard the guy, the commentator on as we were watching the game. A lot of these coaches like this shell concept pretty much where they just, you know, they're going to play coverage. They're going to rely on their front four to get there or their front five if they decide to, you know, go five down and – that's how they want to live. You know, and to be honest with you, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, if those front five or those front four are just really tearing it up. But when you're not able to get there and your your pass rush isn't synced up with the coverage that you have behind, you can't always line up pre-snap seven to ten yards off the ball and think that, you know, offenses aren't going to take advantage of it. You know, sometimes it's just – a matter of movement, you know, get your guys up, get them back, get them inside, get them out. Um, you know, if you get them up and you want them off, then bail them, you know, if you're playing zone coverage behind it. All of those little, all of those little small details helps your defense and it helps the pass rush. But if you're just going to line the guys up 10 yards off the ball and ask your front four to get there and get pressure, you know, you're living a pipe dream because it's really smart and good quarterbacks in the NFL, they're going to take advantage of the fact that you're giving up so much real estate. I'll take five yards on first down. I'll take four yards on, third, on, on, on first down because guess what? I can come back on second down. I can go play action. I can run it. I can do whatever I want to do on second down, understanding that if I just get three yards, I got you know third and three. That's manageable. I'm going to convert that more times than not. You know, but when the mentality is we're just going to give up real estate, it's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't make any sense to me. It really makes it hard, really, really hard on your on your defensive. You're, you're asking your, your defensive players to, to, to create miracles when you play that way. Because at some point in time, you're going to need for them, oh, I need you to go and make a play, strip sack, an a, a, a interception, you know, cause a fumble. Why put that pressure on them? Let them put the pressure on the defense from the word go. Defensive coordinators spend all week looking at an opponent's film, identifying little nuances they feel they can pick up on. It was quite evident that Kyler Murray was not going to run the football, especially in the first half of this game. And I don't understand why Jonathan Gannon didn't pick up on that more so and come after them in, 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 in a blitzing game a little bit more. Respecting a quarterback with the speed of Kyler Murray is one thing. But, number one, they did a really good job of keeping him in the corral and not letting him float outside too much. And when you look at the runs he took off on, they were runs he stepped up, he dipped in, and then went to the outside and picked up his necessary yardage. You have to be able to identify these things a lot quicker, especially in a game that had ebb and flows like this game. Um, 
because again, this game was a little bit too close. It was closer than it should have been. Bottom line is, hopefully this is a huge learning tool for Jonathan Gannon moving forward. Now, again, we gave him kudos for three straight weeks for coming up with aggressive schemes. He resorted back to what he did in that first game against Detroit. You cannot do that moving forward if you want to get to where you want to go. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And to go back to the point about just listening constantly during the game about not wanting to get beat by the deep play, I mean, that's something we heard every game last year, every single game. You know what? We're just going to let the let the offense have as many plays as possible and hopefully they make a mistake. That's like a pitcher in baseball just throwing the ball over the middle of the plate because, hey, best case scenario, they'll only get a hit 30% of the time. You can't play football like that. You can't call defenses like that, and that's what we saw again today. The thing that I, I thought was interesting, at the, at the time they were making that point during the game today, I think it was Robert Woods who made the call uh, in the, uh, the booth today, that was while the Arizona Cardinals were in the midst of a 12-play, 90-yard drive. And to go to your point from earlier, Seth, when you're talking about an offense making that many plays, what's the difference between them just rattling off three plays and then hitting one for 60 yards versus a 90-yard, 12-play drive? Well, because if you believe that it's going to turn into a shootout, then let it be what it will. You might as well, you know, let your hair hang and 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 go go all out. You understand what I'm saying? What again? What's the difference if a team's going to orchestrate a 15-yard drive and then punch it into the end zone? What's the difference between that happening and you taking a, a chance at creating pressure and trying to create a turnover, create a mistake on the offensive side by bringing pressure? What's the difference? The end result is still the same. The, the, the thing that you've done is you've tired out your defense by having them play 15 plays in a row, and the, and the end result is inevitable, where if you bring pressure, you don't know what could happen. You know, you could get there and actually cause a turnover. You could cause Colin Murray to throw an errant ball that turns into an interception or a pick six. But by playing passive, the one thing that you know for sure is that they're just going to nick and dime you. They're going to pick you apart slowly but surely. Then once you get down to the red zone, now you're asking your players to be Superman, superhero. Go out, okay, we're going to come with pressure now. Now they're anticipating. You, you don't think they worked on red zone just like we worked on the red zone all, all week long and know that you know once we get in the red zone, guess what? Now is the time that this guy is going to come. So what's our best plays for the two or three blitzes that he's shown so far? So now we can take advantage of that. Do it out in the field, you know, where you can create pressure and where you can preserve field position and put the offense in a much more advantageous position. One of the people we've talked about a lot on this show and even the pregame show as well is Hassan Reddick and getting more out of Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick might have come up with, other than the interception that they had, of course, by C.D. Deuce getting his first pick as a member of the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Hassan Reddick came up with a huge play on a third and 11. It seemed like Kyler Murray and this Arizona Cardinals offense kept on finding ways out and finding ways to convert on third and down, third down, third and long, fourth and short, whatever it might have been. They kept on converting. Hassan Reddick finally was able to get pressure and showed us a lot of what he was able to do over the last two weeks. But it finally started to rear its head again for the Eagles and this defense on that third and 11 play. Were they using Hassan Reddick properly throughout this game, or did they only really release the beast in that fourth quarter? Now, they were using him properly. He finally got home. He did what he was brought here to do. Um, you know, Arizona did a good job of blocking up their guys for, a lot, for much of this game. You know, especially when you take into consideration 
Kyler Murray did not run the football. That means you had more chances to get after him. So give credit to Arizona's offensive line. They did, did a good job. I thought one of the keys going into this game was the Eagles' horses in the middle of the defense, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis, being able to get a push up the middle. That didn't happen. So they needed a big play. That was a huge momentum changer for the Eagles at that particular time. And when you looked at the isolation play, Hassan Reddick did a great job of getting the jump on the tackle. And once he had the tackle where he wanted him, he pushed him right back into the quarterback, made the play. Murray had nowhere to go. By the time he realized Reddick was coming, it was too late. Now, we talked about Hassan Reddick before, Seth, and whether or not they're using him properly throughout the game, throughout the week, really. And when you started to allow him to apply that pressure, he seemed to be able to get home a little bit more so in that second half and at least rush a play, try to force someone into a mistake. Didn't happen too many times, but is there a situation there where you want Hassan Reddick to go after the quarterback more, or do you want him to stay back? Well, it depends on, you know, the situation you put him in. You know, there was a couple of times where, you know, they had him dropping again. You know, where they line up in their five-man their five man look, you know, by alignment, you can tell he's going to be the flat dropper, you know, and you're putting him in a situation that's not advantageous for what you brought him here for. Um, if you're going to rush him, and, and like we talked about in the pregame, if you're going to bring five, that leaves you six on the back end. So that means that, you know, you've got five across the board to cover the five receivers, depending on what the back and the tight end does, and then you got a single high safety. That scares the crap out of Jonathan Gannon. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So so most of the time, and other teams can see it, the te teams can, you know, the offensive coordinators can see it. When they go to five-man, they know that 90% of the time you're going to get one of those defensive ends that's dropping. And more times than not, it's Hassan Reddick. When you've seen him in the four-man look and obvious passing situations, that's where he's been, you know, the most potent, where he's been the most productive. Um, but that five-man piece of it is a piece of, you know, is a part of what they do and one of the reasons why they brought him here because they couldn't get Kerrigan or Jannard Avery last year to get done in that, in that five-man look what they need to have done. So they get the best of both, both worlds. You got a Hassan Reddick that can drop, that's willing to drop, that tries to get it done, that has the skill sets to get it done, but you also have a guy who can put his hand in the dirt and go get the passer too. I think you're just going to have to get used to Hassan Reddick dropping back in coverage. <laughs> I don't think you, you got 12 more weeks of Hassan Reddick dropping back in coverage. Well, hey, listen, I, it, then he's just going to have to take advantage of the opportunities that he's given, okay? And people need to, like, like lighten up on him because you can't ask him, to be all things in all situations. You cannot ask him to rush the passer when he's asked to drop into the flat. That's not right. So if there's what, Colin Murray had what, uh, 42 passes today, okay? If he's only dropping in the coverage, you know, if he's only rushing the passer, say, 25 times, and the other pass rushes are getting the benefit of 42 times, you know, how can you fault the guy for not getting there when his numbers and his opportunities are, are, are less? But he's clearly the best pass rusher that we have on the football team. You know, I mean, that, that's just a fact. We're not getting much out of the guys in the middle. Um, sporadic out of, you know, Josh Sweat. You know, I don't think, you know, I think they're kind of limiting, you know, BG's playing time. You know, he had a spurt two and a half, you know, the last game. Um it, this, this, if you just want to be honest about it, you know, I don't think that this is an elite pass rushing team. 
And when you don't have elite pass rushers, you have to blitz a little more. You have to pressure a little more. And again, because I know people are hearing me saying this, think that all I want to do is blitz every single down. That's not what I'm saying. You have to pick your spots. And, 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 I can, and when I sit back, I identify the spots. Because blitzing, blitzing is not necessarily just about the pressure on the quarterback. It's also about preserving field positions. Because, for example, if you got an offense backed up and they're on, say, you know, they're 25, and you got a third and 15 situation, and you can either cause an errant incompletion or get a sack, now all of a sudden you're going to get the ball on the 30-35 on your end. But when you give up 15 yards of real estate, and all of a sudden instead of being on the 25, now they're down there on the 40, and they punt the ball, now you get the ball on your 10 or your 15. You're just giving up 15 to 20 yards of field position, you know, that your offense could have advantage, had a great advantage from because you know what? They're, two, they're actually two first downs away when you create pressure from being in scoring position. When, when you don't, now they're three to four first downs away from being able to be in field position. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of questions when it comes to the injury status, the health status of a lot of members of the Eagles offensive line. John McMullen is standing by. We'll talk to him when we return all the way from Arizona. I got a right question here. for you guys when we come back as You have well. a question too? I got a question for both of you guys when we come Chalk back. Chalk full of questions after the Eagles' latest victory. <laughs> we'll be right back with the Pond La Hockey postgame show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, 
and go birds. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Welcome back to the Pond La Hockey postgame show. Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, Seth Joyner. We're going to go to our man on the scene in Arizona, John McMullen, NFL writer for Jacob Media, of course, and he is brought to us by the amazing people at Thrive. John, there's a lot of injuries on that Eagles offensive line. Any information from Nick Sirianni after the game today in his postgame press conference? Any updates as the injury status of some of these offensive linemen? <clears throat> no, Nick, as you know, has gone into lockdown mode when it, taught, when it comes to injuries. He thinks it's a competitive advantage, so he's going to go all the way to Wednesday until the injury report. Did get to talk to Jason Kelsey, though. Uh, he said he rolled his ankle. He thinks he's going to be fine. Obviously, he was able to come back in the game. I don't know why I ever doubt Jason Kelsey, but I was doubting him at halftime and sure enough he was out there with his helmet for play one of the third quarter i think it was also positive landon dickerson was out for a while and came back in the game which that surprised me when he was out for so long i figured they were going to shut that door he was able to come back then he had to tap out again late in the game i think it had more to do with the tempo and he was just tired he was waving suo Peta in but we'll have to wait and see and obviously, we know Jordan Mailata. Hopefully, he'll be able to play against the Dallas Cowboys next week. But we'll know better. We talked to Jordan in the locker room. Jordan was hopeful that he would be able to go in this game. So the, the Eagles dodged a bullet with Jordan Mailata, whether it was long-term. And I got to tell you, Nick Sirianni loves Jack Driscoll. And he spent a long time talking him up and what he's been able to do, not only today stepping in, but in the past, stepping in at right tackle, right guard, wherever he's needed. 
Um, it's amazing the depth this team has on the offensive line. Hey, John, one of the great advantages you have by being in a press box week in and week out is having a bird's eye view of the action down on the field that a lot you don't get to see. Sir, you don't get to see certain aspects on TV, even when you see replays and isolations and so forth. I'm, we're looking at Jonathan Gannon's game plan to defend against his Arizona offense today. And from your perspective, tell me what you saw, because we I have been saying all show long, I thought he resorted back to what he did week one, which was respecting the opponent <laughs> too much. Um, I, you know, I thought they played. Uh, I, I don't think they played poorly defensively. I, I think they played poorly in the middle of the field. Uh, and when they got the fourteen nothing lead, it seemed like Kyler Murray found something in the middle of the field with. Uh, not only uh, Hollywood Brown, but also Rondell Moore a little bit. And I was surprised when the third quarter started, to be honest, D. Gunn, he went away from that a little bit before he got back to it. So I think that was the one soft spot. I don't I don't think anything changed. Uh, you know, I've talked to J.G., and I saw him in the locker room after this game. I've talked to him a lot over the past couple weeks. It's all the same. It's about execution. Uh, and when the Eagles were executing in the in the first quarter, looked good. Uh, and then they started to falter a little bit in the middle of the field with coverage. And there were some issues. But overall, you know, Kyler Murray's a very difficult player to deal with. I think we all should understand that. Uh, we all should know that. You look at his final stats. You say 80.5 passer rating. It's not great. I, You know, I talk about this all the time. Everything is contextual in the NFL. It's hard to play defense in the modern NFL. So when you get out of a place like this with a win, remember the Eagles have never won here. That's right. Ever. That's right. Ever, ever. You know, winning road games in this, in this league is tough. Um, they both had backup kickers. Uh, the Eagles... Backup kickers, a rookie, succeeded. Um, the Cardinals, who's a veteran, did not. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you, you, you understand, and Seth can talk about this, how difficult it is to win in this league. And I think a lot of people took for granted the Cardinals. And Jalen Hurts said that in his post-game press conference, just like he said during the week. He said, you guys, again, with the media, and I disagree with him, but nonetheless, he can have his opinion. Um, you guys over, over, were overlooking the Cardinals. Well, I think a lot of the fan base, a lot a lot of, of the pundits, myself included, yeah, we probably felt the Eagles were going to beat this team easily. And it's a road game where they've never won before. So, you know, they got out with the win. There's one 5-0 and team, guys. I'm usually not the optimist, but there's one five and O team in this league, and it's the Eagles. John, you're 100 percent correct. There is one five and O team, but our job <laughs> is to, you know, be a little more critical, especially in this city of Philadelphia, as to what we see. Because I'm a firm believer in, you know, your past performances are indication of your future experiences. Um, it's interesting that you had a conversation with. Jonathan Gannon and you know to him it comes down to execution um, I believe that you know players have to execute what you're seeing on the field but I also believe that it's in 
it's incumbent upon defensive coordinators to take the pieces, those 11 pieces on the field, just like he was in a chess game, and strategically put them in place in advantageous positions to be able to succeed. So when I'm watching a game and I see them get caught in nickel, okay, and Kazir <coughs> White, Kazir White on the weak side playing against you know a back that dis that's displaced outside of the box, and then um, T.J. Edwards on the three receiver side with a swap between a, a, a wide receiver and a tight end, and he's responsible for the number three receiver, okay? And that's a clear mismatch, you know, and it happened not once, not twice, but multiple times. So the, the problems that you're talking about is that the Cardinals figured out a way to create mismatches and getting a wide receiver on T.J. Edwards, whether they align him there or whether they motion him into that position. And the Eagles had no answer for it. And every single time as well, every single time that they got four down and they went spread or they went five down, they started running that quarterback draw with, with, with Kyler Murray, and we had no answer for it. Uh, on multiple occasions, okay? So it does come down to execution, but it also comes down, you know, to your defense coordinator and all the coaches that he has up in the box that's seeing what's going on, that's relaying to him what's going on, and the other assistants that he has on the, on the sideline to say, okay, this is what they're doing. When we come to the sideline, what can we do to prevent that? What kind of checks can we put in place to help our defense be more productive? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Seth. In, in the case of Kyler Murray running the football, yeah, they probably got caught on that a little bit because Kyler had not been running the football. You look at his numbers before this game, he had not been running the football. So, you know, the Eagles probably did come in thinking he's going to do his usual sort of uh, dalliances behind the line of scrimmage, trying to keep the play alive to throw the football. So they did catch them a little bit with that quarterback draw. I think he ran it four times for 42 yards. So they got some of their own medicine, so to speak, because Jalen Hurts does that to the opposition so many times. And that's one where you sort of tip your cap as a trend buster to Cliff Kingsbury saying, you know what, they probably are better than us. We're going to have to do some different things, catch them off guard. And I do think they caught the Eagles off guard. But I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the middle of the football field and uh, having a difficult time with Hollywood Brown, uh, with Rondell Moore. And I look at Josiah Scott, okay, you know, Avante Maddox is going to be healthy soon. You can get back to having one of the best slot cornerbacks in football. You know, the one glaring weakness on this defense to me has been Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, he's making a difficult position switch. Even though he played safety in college, people talk that up. He didn't play safety in the pros. He played slot corner, and I think he's a good slot corner. I don't think he's a good safety right now. Hopefully that improves as things continue and, and the Eagles get more football under their belt. They're going to have to figure out something there. I don't think there's any question about that. And then I think Darius Slay had one of those games, a little bit of difficulty tackling. I thought this was their worst tackling performance since week one. So I think that factored into it. 
you know, they got caught dropping Hassan Reddick. I know everybody's going to talk about that. And they got a big play out of it. You got to throw a curveball. You got to throw a curveball. You know, if that works and Kyler doesn't see it and he throws it to Hassan Reddick, it might happen later in the season. It, I always compare it to a power pitcher in baseball. The baseball playoffs are going on. Everybody's excited about the Phillies. Nick Sirianni's got his Phillies jersey on again. Yeah, power pitchers, they don't throw fastballs 100% of the time. You got to fool the opposition occasionally. You got to throw them curveballs. And I'm going to go Jim Swartz. I'm not going to go Jonathan Gannon on you guys. I'm going to go Jim Swartz because what Jim would say, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, scoreboard. Did I win? Did I lose? It's a right. check mark for Jim Schwartz. Well, that's actually that's, that's two Jim Schwartz references because he too would make a baseball reference. Actually, uh, yes, he would go Orioles. <laughs> he, would, yeah, he absolutely would. John, when we had the opportunity to catch up at halftime, you, me, and Devin Caney, of course, you had talked about the Eagles' game plan going into this particular game about how they saw something in the passing game that they wanted to exploit going up against the Arizona Cardinals defense. In the early goings, it worked a little bit. They were able to get those chunks, and then they kind of tried to stick with it, and it wasn't there. Why take so long to try to rely again on your running attack, especially considering <clears throat> the game Miles Sanders was coming off of? Yeah, I think, well, they, they weren't running the ball effectively early. Uh, and then late, that big drive at the end of the game was all runs. Um, so you wonder, you know, I mentioned at halftime, I would come out running the football in the third quarter. They took a little bit longer uh, to do that. I got to tell you, I don't want to be dramatic, but you guys are talking about the defense. I know Philadelphia is a defensive town. I don't want to be dramatic, but if I see another bubble screen, smoke screen, Thank you. I'm going to Thank shoot you. myself in the face. I mean, my God, how many times? Oh, my goodness. And, and, and by the way, uh, Devontae Smith, I think, had 10 receptions yeah. and 11 targets. Uh, Goddard was 8 of 9. Uh, Quez Watkins was 3 of 4. All three were those uh, wide receiver screens. I don't know. They thought they saw something. But to me, here, here's the problem offensively. When they're getting the blitz, and Arizona blitzes a lot, and they blitzed a lot today, they don't have hot reads. They, they throw these screens, and I, I don't like it. It's very college-y. I don't like it. Hey, John, Devonta Smith may have to take an icy hot bath because he got popped a number of times oh, in this game. He, that's three popped. or four times. Man, he, yeah. he got Isaiah popped. Simmons lit him up. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But uh, what did Nick Sirianni have to say about uh, – A.J. Brown's lack of input in this game. He has seven targets, three catches. What was Arizona doing to take him out of the game? Well, nothing early. The first four plays, we're all looking at each other. The Eagles came out in 13 personnel. So, get Goddard involved. I knew that. They, the Eagles, uh, behind the scenes, uh, told me, this is a big Dallas Goddard game. He's going to, he's going to, and he had a big game. Um so they were correct about that. But they wanted to get him involved early, and they were doing the tight end screens and to, to make them successful. And they were very successful in those 15 openers that Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, they were phenomenal. Zach Pascal's out there to block. Uh, the first four plays, A.J. Brown wasn't even on the field. And then the fifth play... He caught that 15-yard pass, and then he caught two other passes. 
on that drive, on that opening drive. And he didn't catch another pass the entire game. The Eagles have talked about this. They say they have so many talented weapons. One week's going to be A.J., one week's going to be Devontae, one week's going to be Dallas. And it's proven to be true until, you know, A.J. Brown was week one. Devontae had the huge game against Minnesota. Um, today was Dallas Goddard. Until it doesn't work, uh, I can't complain that much about it. But all the horizontal stuff today, I mean, take a shot down the field. Uh, put some stress on, on the Cardinals. John, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I want, I want to just touch on something because the next time you're in a, 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 um, a press conference with Nick Sirianni, you have an opportunity to ask him a question. Will you please ask him, do they have sight adjustments built into their offense, or is it incumbent upon the, the protection to pick it up? Because I'm not so sure that I see it. You talked about the bubble screen. The bubble screen today was built in as their sight adjustment anytime yeah, that they got pressure yeah. or they felt like they had numbers, but they had nothing else off of it. Everything was bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen. Like the one where the where Devontae Smith almost got decapitated. Okay, well, Quez missed the block. That's going to happen sometimes. But where's the play off of the bubble screen where Quez goes to block the guy, acts like he's going to block him, and then just takes up, up the field? Because now you've got his man going towards Devontae, the corner outside coming towards Devontae because they see it. All Jalen Hurts has got to do is pump one time, you know, to the to the bubble guy and go right to the to the to the seam guy. That's yeah. to me. Where was that play? Because you had no variation off of the bubble screen. You had nothing but the bubble screen. And then, just like in week one, when they show you more than you can pick up, the wide receivers seem to just run the route that's called instead of giving me a slant or giving me a quick out or if you got press coverage throwing a fade we don't have that built into the offense it seems like and I just want to know whether they do or whether they don't I know that Jalen Hurts has the flexibility to to check plays at the line of scrimmage but I'm talking about those built-in sight adjustments where I'm the quarterback and I just look at my wide receiver and he knows what I'm thinking because we've got too many guys up front than than we can block yeah, you, you have seen it before. You saw it in Washington with A.J. Brown on the slant near the goal line. That was a sight adjustment from, from Jalen. Um, but you don't see it often. Today, you're right, Seth. I think that was their adjustment for the blitz. It was all those bubble screens. And similar to what I said about Hassan Reddick on defense, what you said about that, you know, could almost become sort of a new age play action. You keep going to it, bubble screen, bubble screen, bubble screen, and all of a sudden you fake it, and everybody's jumping it, and then you go you go down the seam or you run a go route. It could even be the same receiver. But um, I didn't see that. You got to throw that in. I'm sure Shane Steichen will talk about it this week. Uh, I'm sure they'll watch the film and the. They'll understand. They probably went to that well way too too often. But, you know, the modern NFL, that's what it is, right? They teach quarterbacks, younger quarterbacks. So I'm not talking about the Bradys and the and people of that ilk. But they teach quarterbacks concepts. They don't teach them plays. 
So in other words, if if they're playing quarters coverage, all right, where's where's the free safety? What is that showing? Is it cover two? Is it cover six? Is it quarters? They teach them concepts. So if the free safety does this, you do that. So it's not about please as much anymore. And I think that's the difference. And that's why things get really, really redundant uh, in, in some of these games. John, you know what I always say is that every plan drawn up in X's and O's looks and sounds good until those X's and O's starts breathing and moving and doing things that you can't account for. And then all of a sudden, that greatest laid yeah. plan goes out the window. But if you got well, that's why, you know, good coaches, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, Seth, it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe's. So that's why sometimes, you know, players like Kyler Murray, who's going to say, you know what, we're up against it, 14 nothing. I'm going to run a quarterback draw. And I haven't done that all year. And all of a sudden, you got Kyler Murray saying, I'm going to use these wheels. And you're like, uh-oh. What the heck is that? We weren't <laughs> expecting that. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes it's just about great players. You know, at the end of the game, Jalen Hurst, they're running the football, running the football, running the football, but they need that big third down, and he picks it up to Dallas Goddard. Um, sometimes good players just make good plays. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, a wise man once said. John, way too early, last question for you, way too early prediction for Eagles-Cowboys. Are you feeling confident about an Eagles victory at home Sunday night against the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, I think Micah Parsons, I heard, heard his groin. Uh, so that's an yeah, injury. He came, he came back and played. He came back and played, John. But still, he got a sack after the pool groin. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the groin. But, look, I mean, what do you do if you're Jerry Jones? You keep winning games with Cooper Rush. But, you know, he's not a dynamic player. Dak Prescott, you want back on the field. But he's not going to be 100%. If he is 100%, which is unlikely, there's still going to be some rust. It's a home game for the Eagles. They're the better team. But, yeah, Micah Parsons scares me. But they they should be able to to withstand a player or two. And they're the better football team. They should win the game. But it's very early. All right. We'll, of course, update that prediction when we talk to you next week as well. John McMullen joining us all the way from Arizona, brought to you by Thrive Financial Services. John McMullen, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Safe, safe travels, man. See you. John McMullen joining us from Arizona, of course, the NFL insider for Jacob Media. We'll be back with more on the Jacob Media postgame show. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Jim Gardner is an icon. A Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor. A pace setter. Jim is my North Star. He's trusted. Revered. Appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate. Honest. And fair. He is extremely dedicated. Motivated and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader. And we're lucky to have him. 
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givenish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you, it's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, uh, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givenish. Life Celebrations by Givenish, customizing services as unique as the individual. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. for our game balls presented by Colony Pools, flywithcolony.com. Uh, Mark Farzetta, let's start with you. Who is your game ball going to? You know, anytime you're going to be making a debut and you happen to have a perfect debut and you also happen to be kicking what would be the game-winning field goal and your name is Cameron Dicker, you're the kicker and you help win a game, you're getting a game ball, son. Congratulations, Cameron Digger. You are getting the game ball from me. Came up clutch when they needed him to come up clutch, including that game winner. So without question, best player of the game. Don't even try to introduce anything that's negative. No, he no, was the only I'm not. Perfect piece. I'm not. I know you guys have been on the show since the game ended, yes. so I don't know if you saw the clip. He was asked like how if he was nervous, how he was feeling going into this game. He was like, I wasn't nervous at all. He was cool as a cucumber. He doesn't even cool watch football. Jalen Hurts out there. <laughs> He's an EPL fan. 
He's probably watching replays of Ted Lasso or something like that on the sideline. <laughs> hey, I respect it. It is pretty good, too. I do admire that show. So, yes, Cameron Dicker gets okay. the game ball. I love it. Uh, who wants to go next? D-Gun. Uh, this is when you know you've been on TV too long in one day. Because I'm going to sit here and agree with Mark because that's exactly <laughs> who I was going to pick. Eagles only scored six points in the second half. It was off the toe of a guy they brought in off the street earlier this week. And that kick that he made to end that 17-play drive was the biggest kick of the night, even though it was a chip shot. He did what the opposition's kicker couldn't do, come up big in the clutch. So I can't believe I'm sitting here saying this, but I'm agreeing with Mark Frazetta in this cage. Look at that. Look at wow. us. Look at us. Next thing you know, we'll be, we'll be barbecuing together. No, that's we'll not going to happen. fishing together. No, that's not going to happen. I've seen you fish. That's not going to happen. I'll know we're in the upside down if Seth Joyner decides to agree with you guys. I don't know. If hey, listen, we're going to make it the trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, though. Okay. With, with, with one little glitch, okay? It's Matt Amendola of the Arizona Cardinals, okay? He missed a 43-yarder. The same way that he missed every other kick going that way in warm-ups, okay? If he makes that kick, if he makes that kick, it's a good chance the Eagles lose this game mm -hmm. because they couldn't stop that offense, No. Mm -hmm. okay? So I'm going to mail Matt Amendola. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm going to put it in my suitcase, and the next time I head back to Arizona, I'm going to go hand-deliver my game ball to him. How about that? That's that's pretty impressive. And by the way, just real quick, it sounded like an Eagles home game, and you were out there in Arizona. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was a takeover. I was, I was at a meet and greet on Friday night with about three hundred people, Woo! about three hundred wow. Eagles fans. It was unbelievable. You know what? Let's disagree. I'm going to give the game ball to the Eagles fans that took over that stadium. Yes, okay, what else I we love got? that. <laughs> I love that. I don't have a game ball to give. I think if I had one, though, I would give it to Nick Sirianni because I thought he coached the game well. He seemed a little fiery today, though. And, you know, we love to see the passion from Nick Sirianni. He was also uh, missing his visor. And I believe we have Dr. Bruce, Mark. I don't know if you want to take this one away. Yes, Dr. Bruce Grossinger joining us right now. A lot of injuries, unfortunately, in this game to the Eagles offensive line. Another one's going to be affecting next game, possibly. It may be two affecting the Eagles next opponent in the Dallas Cowboys. But to look at this game, Jason Kelsey had a bit of an uh, ankle injury, was able to come back in this game. So obviously, Doctor, not looking too serious there. Yeah, he looked like he was walking around after in the locker room. And Kelsey is a warrior. So that looked like a soft tissue injury. Landon Dickerson, also, we know he has a history of ACLs. He had four ACLs in four consecutive years. It looked like he had a soft tissue injury. He returned as well. And it seemed like the Eagles really sat out Mylotta and Maddox. They were both borderline. They could have played, but they're saving it for Sunday night football next week against those dreaded Cowboys. And sure, playing up to be an excellent game with, with all top three teams in the NFC East. We thought we're going to be bottom dwellers, but between the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles, we seem to have the elite conference. Yeah. We were speaking earlier about a guy like Micah Parsons coming back with that groin injury. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable that he goes off the field with a groin injury. You're talking about Micah Parsons. And then all of a sudden you see him riding a bicycle on the sideline. He goes back in and plays as well as if he was not injured at all. At, at all. But, Doc, what I want to ask you is when you look at a Jordan Malata, which still was an awkward way he fell. He fell on his stomach uh, trying to make a tackle on an interception, and he sprains his shoulder. And we don't know his status for the next game, but what are we watching for? in terms of whether this shoulder is 
well enough for him to compete next week against the Dallas Cowboys. We're looking at basically uh, the training room, and the training room has been excellent. They're going to be putting his shoulder through range of motion. The most weak areas are external rotation and also elevation. And when he fell, he was both externally rotated and extended. So they are checking his acromial clavicular joint, and they're also checking his rotator cuff muscles. What I've heard, at least from the inside, is that he's doing much better and he's strong. And as far as technique's concerned, he's got to be careful with respect to his... If he can keep his elbow adducted inside, that puts the shoulder at the maximum strength. Doc, um, you know, Derek had questions about Jordan Malata. I got questions about an integral piece of the defense and Avante Maddox, who's missed the last two games, and where you think he is in his availability for Sunday night. I've heard that he, uh, he practiced, he was running well, and I think using an abundance of caution, Seth, it kept him out of the game. And Josiah Scott had one excellent play in the game, but as you notice in the, uh, the second half, he clearly was playing 10 yards off, and I was watching the whole critique, and uh, he's no Avanti Maddox. So I, I believe Maddox and Maialata are both good to go for the Cowboys game, and what a game that'll be. Certainly, Doctor, and looking at an injury right now with Dak Prescott, when you're looking at that spot and that thumb injury, do you think it would be too early to tell right now, or do you think Dak Prescott will make his return after suffering that thumb injury? Well, they're going to be checking him out to see that he has full grip and that he can spin the ball. It could actually measure the velocity of his rotation, so it's really interesting with sports science. But Cooper Rush has certainly looked to be an able backup, and I'm not so sure that the Eagles fans wouldn't want to see Dak come back because there are a lot of skeletons in the link closet. And personally, Cooper Rush looks cool as a cucumber. So um, I personally wouldn't be so sorry to see Dak return to the loud link on Sunday night football. Well, Dr. Grosinger, it's an honor to catch up with you yet again. Thank you for the update on all things Eagles as well as the Dallas Cowboys. You do more than just your homework, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Have a good night. You as well. Thank you. So it does appear that if Dak does come back, it has to do with whether or not he is getting the rotation on that football and whether or not, obviously, the grip is there. Hey, listen, I I still would rather see Cooper Rush. I don't care what you say. <laughs> them, them, those, those 93 points in eight quarters last year, they are, like, stuck in my crawl, and I can't get rid of them. And Dak Prescott was a big reason and a big part of why they put 93 up on them in two games last year. Well, I'm sorry. I totally agree. I still think Cooper Rush is a bit of a fraudulent quarterback. He did improve a bit with their win over the Rams today, a little bit scarier, but still, I'll take him over Dak because the two games against the Cowboys last season still haunt my dreams. I'll also say that if you bring Dak back, if it's a cold night, when you slap him on that hand, it stings a little bit more because you know it's not going to be 100% all the way back when he comes, whenever he comes back. You assuming that these guys play like we played back in the day? <laughs> yeah. Nah, man. They don't slap hands anymore. Nah, they, don't, they don't do it like that anymore. I mean, they I just stripped the ball. I intentionally slap yes. the hand. Yes. Yes. See. Yes. I might have even took the th taken the thumb and just kind of twisted a little bit. Yeah. Just to see. You're literally the reason they say upper or lower body injury without trying to specify. Hey, man. I mean, listen. If, if you ain't doing everything you can to win, then what's the point? What's the point? I mean, like an old buddy Ryan Fashion, let's see what his backup can do. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
There you go. <laughs> All right, just real quick, gentlemen uh, and Devin, when it comes to this Eagles victory in the locker room, is it just a simple case of, okay, cool, we're 5-0, and we still got a lot to prove, or is it a matter of, we kind of got lucky today, Kyler Murray slides a little bit too soon, they miss a field goal, are we lucky today or are we good? Derek Gunn. Hey, every team that wins the Super Bowl has luck on its side at some point of a season. Nothing wrong with having a little bit of luck. An ugly win still looks pretty in the win column. So I think it's all of the above. They breathe a sigh of relief. They're still the only undefeated team in the NFL. They need some things to work on, as Lane Johnson talked about early in this show. They'll be ready to face the Dallas Cowboys next week. I think that this performance today will be a blessing in disguise, and this, and this is why. Um, you saw them go out in week one. They got the win, but it was lackluster. And they came back. Everybody was displeased about the fact that how they lost but they were pleased with how they won. So there was like this, this mantra, okay? We won, but we got to get better. And, and I get the sense that, you know, talking to Lane, you could tell by his expression, there wasn't a whole lot of laughing going on. There wasn't a whole lot of smiles on his face. You know, I think that he feels like they won, but, and he said it a couple of times, we got to get better. So I think they go into this week, you know, happy about the fact that they won, but I think that Nick Sirianni will drop the hammer come, you know, Wednesday morning and be like, we can't play the way we played last week and expect to win. We got to practice better. We got to get better. We got to, you know, be more focused, you know, more locked in on what it is that we need to do. And the same way that you saw him raise the level of intensity in week two and week three against their most hated rival, on national TV on Sunday night, the Eagles will come into this game on Sunday night with a raised sense of purpose and, and, and play a game like we've never seen them play this they year. They better. I, I totally agree. And just to piggyback off of that, we know what Jalen Hurts' mentality is. Even through games where they dominated, afterwards he always said, we have, we have a lot to improve on. We have a lot to work on. So you know after this game, especially if we think the, the Dallas games haunt our dreams, like Jalen Hurts played horribly in that Monday night game last season. You know he's going to want to come out and be strong and get a win on Sunday night when they uh, face the Cowboys at home. So I do think that this performance says a lot. It was not the best performance for anyone, any unit, any coach, any aspect of the Eagles, and yet they still won. So I think that says a lot for the team. Um, but I do think it was almost like a necessary bounce back for them to, to improve and, and get the win. Certainly. Uh, when I look over at this win, I think about this. One thing. Good teams find a way to win games. Bad teams find a way to lose them. This Eagles football team is a very good football team. As a matter of fact, they're undefeated. Were they certainly lucky at certain aspects of this game? Absolutely they were. But bottom line, good teams find ways to win. That's what the Eagles did today. We want to say thank you to everyone for watching the post-game show. For Devin Caney, Seth Joyner, for Derek Gunn, I'm Mark Farzad, and also for Mike Bisnelli, who joined us earlier in the show. Despite trying to get over COVID, Mike's doing well and on the better end of it right now. And for John McMullen joining us from Arizona, as well as Lane Johnson. Thanks, everyone, for watching the Jacob Media post-game show presented by Pond Hockey here from Ocean Casino. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. 
Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Score and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. It's a fall car fest, and Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown says, yes, you can. Jeff says, yes, you can choose from over 1,000 vehicles in stock with no wait. Yes, you can still get low prices, leases, and big discounts. Yes, you can still get low interest financing. And Jeff always says, yes, you can have a real deal buying experience without the hassle. When the other dealers say, no, you can't, Jeff says, yes, you can. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown. Nobody treats you better. Jeep Adventure Days. 